and we're looking at uh, Jesus and the way that he serves. So we're going to read a passage from John. Uh, This is the Gospel of John and starting uh, in chapter 13 at verse 1. So this is John 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter said, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet... He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's. I have set you an example that you start looking at this, um, I'm just going to do a very quick, very quick kind of overview um, based on what we looked at a little bit at this morning. So obviously the question is, as we're looking at this, this new series of serving uh, and about being, I, but calling it I'm in, that you know, we are all part of this church, um, what, is, what is serving? And, and as we looked at this morning, we may all have a view of it, whether it's the person who uh, serves us, um, at some fast food restaurant or somewhere like that, or whether it's um, you know the idea of if somebody serves you, um, you have this this lovely idea that there's somebody all dressed up, maybe even got white gloves on, and they come and serve you at the table. Uh, and, and, and would you like any more, sir? And oh, we can live the dream, can't we? Um, or there's the other idea of service that actually it's in some way of what we do for you know as we do for other people out of our kindness and our generosity. And it may cost us a little bit. Um, So whether we're helping food banks or whatever it is. But what we're also doing as a church is we're looking to move back to two morning services from January 2023, which scarily is four months away. Oh, Um, 
But also, you know, as, as we come into this start of this new year, this new term, this, and maybe there's a new season for you, I, it's good that we actually in some way, uh, I don't know what sort of a summer you've had. I was talking to someone the other day. I said, you know, have you, have you had a great summer? Have you been able to get away? And they went, no, I've worked it right the way through it. And it's like, well, that's a conversa- conversation killer right there. It's like, and they went, have you been away? And I felt guilty going, yes. I went to Northumbria, but there was fog. Um, (laughs) And maybe as we come back from a time away or just a time out of doing ministry here and we're thinking, oh, I've got to start this thing back up or whatever it is, it's a great opportunity, I think, to actually kind of realign ourselves into what service we bring before God. What is it, old or new, that he's calling us into. So as we start to look at this, Jesus is moving towards the cross. John talks about it, that he's moving towards his hour, the time where he's going to be crucified. And he's sitting down with his disciples, it's heading towards Passover, and he's probably getting, making preparations to celebrate Passover with But actually, you know, as we think about tonight, what I want us to focus on is our heart, our head, and our hands. Being engaged in what Jesus wants us to be engaged with. Because there's so many things can take up our time and our resources. So firstly, we see that the heart of service is love. And in John 13, as John has just read in verse 1, it says that Jesus, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that. He loved them to the end. John clearly notes that Jesus, Jesus loved his disciples. He spent three years with them, and his ministry among them was fueled by love. His love for them didn't stop until the end of his earthly life. And truly, it carried on afterwards. And when we think through those that he had around him, he had quite a mixed bag of guys who he called his disciples. There were James and John, the sons of thunder, who had ambitions for the place of honor. They wanted, when he came into his glory, to sit at his right hand. There was Peter, the disciple whose mouth would get him into trouble time and time again. And even, you know, just that reminder as Joanna was reading it of of Peter goes, well, if you're going to wash my feet, wash everything else as well. And you just go, oh, Peter, shut up. Just let him do it. Nobody else seems to have spoken out. Just let him get on with it. Stop trying to jump in with your mouth within two feet. And then there's Andrew, the soft-spoken brother of Peter who kept making small demonstrations of faith. Or Philip, as one commentator called him, the bean counter. He had a flair for the obvious. Nathaniel, also known as Bartholomew, Jesus called him one in whom there is no guile or deceit. Matthew or Levi, the tax collector. What a job that most people, I think, in society would have hated him for and so was often seen as a traitor by other Jewish people. Then Thomas, the twin who doubted, even after the resurrection, but we focus so much on that doubt, and yet he was one of the first 
that said, my Lord and my God. And then James the Less. I mean, who wants to be called James the Less? We don't even know enough about him to be able to talk about his qualities or why he was evil. Some of these guys were notable. Others were practically invisible. As I said, we, didn't, we don't know very much about them. But he loves each and every one of them. And imagine being some of these guys, knowing that you're being called out by Jesus. You're living in that realization of his love for you. You're seeing him do amazing things. You're suddenly realizing there's more to this man than him just being a man. And some of the things he's saying probably send tingles down your spine. And yet some of the other things you do probably leave you scratching your head as to who on earth is he? And yet in all your strengths and weaknesses, warts, flaws and all, you know Jesus loves you. But not only these 12, he loved his own who were in the world. It seems like his own refers to those who were called out of the world to a life of faith and belief in him. By the time that Jesus ascends, there's at least 120 dedicated men and women who are following him. We see in the beginning of the book of Acts, and that, that continues to spread like wildfire. That today, close to a third of the population of the planet would call Jesus their Lord. It's incredible, isn't it? And yet Jesus served these men and women out of love. Not out of what he could get out of them, but because he loved them. He served you and me out of love when he went to the cross for us. And as I shared this morning, he took our shame and humiliation because of his love for you and his love for me and his love for the world out there as well. And so Jesus shows us that service comes from a heart of love. And the gospel is enacted through the through the local church across the world. I don't know about you, but I just think it's an honor and a privilege to be part of something that is as big as the church. And I'm not just talking forward when I say that. I talk about the church around the world. I think it's a privilege and an honor to be, able to be here together and pray for our bishop and his family on the other side of the world knowing that our prayers can make a difference. To stand with disciples wrote this in 1 Peter 4. He said, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of us, whatever gifts we have, as faithful stewards of God's grace. Not just of faithful stewards of what we have, of the abilities and gifts and talents that we have, but actually stewards of God's grace. That it's more than just what we think we are able to do. Whatever our gifts, talents, abilities, interests, hobbies, likes and dislikes might be, they all join to form who we are and how we participate in the work God is doing all around us and how the Lord can use each and every one of us 
to further his kingdom here on earth today. Serving provides us with the opportunity to know more about how we are created. Maybe even to find out more about our likes and our dislikes. What we can do well and what we can do not so well. You'd be very pleased to hear, I learned at a very young age, that me up here did not involve me doing anything involving worship. My singing voice and my instrument skills, apart from a triangle, are next to zero. And so you'll be glad I don't want, I don't have this burning desire to join the worship team at any point, unless they do need someone who can sing a triangle. But the amazing thing is, is as we continue to seek out and maybe learn more about who we are in Christ, that God fills in the picture for us. We discover more about ourselves and how he is growing us while he uses us to meet others' needs. We actually learn best by doing. We learn by actually putting into practice those things that God has given us. And if we don't know what things God has given us, it's maybe time to start asking those questions. Asking others, what do you see in me? Or even working out for ourselves through various uh, resources what your gifts and abilities actually are. But then what we also see is that the head of service are established in certain truths. Jesus knows he has all authority, all power, and all responsibility. The Father's given him all things into his hands. His assignment here on earth, his ministry among his disciples, his responsibility to steward that authority is all given by God, his heavenly Father. And he now knows that full well. He knows exactly who he is. He knows exactly what he's got to do. But he also knows what he's going to do in the next moment. He's going to set an example. Because he also knows of his origin and his destination. And as we looked at this morning, even though he took on human flesh, John helps us to understand that Jesus knew he was no more mere human that he had come from God and would return to God. That he had laid aside the glory of heaven and is about to go back and pick it up again. And later on in John 17, there's this beautiful prayer that Jesus says. It says that Jesus looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father... Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And he then goes on to pray for his disciples and I believe for us today as we remain in this world. That God would protect 
them and us by the power of his name so that we might be as one as they are one. How do we manage to be one as they are one? I believe it's through the way we serve and love one another. Because our origin and destination and purpose is that we are his and we are here for his glory. That in all things, his name may be glorified in us and through us to a world that I know who I belong to. That I belong to Jesus. That he is my Lord and Savior and that my heart is full of love because of his love first for me. And so in his example, we get to see that the hands of service often will welcome humiliation. Or to put it in more layman's terms, don't mind getting dirty once in a while. And this seems rather odd to think of it this way, but Jesus does one of the most surprising things here. John tells us in verses 4 and 5 that Jesus got up from the meal takes off his outer clothing and wraps a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. The significance of this, we can often, probably, a lot of us have probably become very familiar with it and can possibly be lost on us today as Westerners. But the reality is, in the context that it was in, what Jesus was doing was completely unheard of. You didn't, in Jesus' day, walk around with shoes like we do. Even today, many people in Eastern cultures will wear sandals, which means their feet will get dirty. Any of you that have been wearing uh, flip-flops or whatever over the summer, it doesn't take long for your, your, your feet, by the time you get home, to get dirty. Proper etiquette taught that guests begrimed from journeying through the dusty streets should on arrival have their feet washed by a slave or a servant. This was a particularly humble task. Who likes feet? I don't even like my own feet, let alone anybody else's. Now when this act is done by another member of the family, whether it's a wife or a husband or a child for his his or her parents, or a pupil for their teacher. So when the, you know, even the, it would even be looked okay on if even one of the disciples actually did it for Jesus. Because he is their master, they're his pupil. It was seen as an act of extreme devotion. But since it's an act with social implications, in no way do we find those with the highest status washing the feet of those beneath them. Imagine what it's like then, as they're sat getting ready for the meal, and Jesus probably his authority, his honor, to show how important these men are to him. It creates an example for us to follow, but also points to what he would do in a matter of hours, as he, the Son of God, humbles himself to die a criminal's death, taking the cross, taking the payment for what we deserve. 
He demonstrates that as a teacher, he would have been elevated socially, and yet he's willing to get on his knees and serve. As Lord, he demonstrates that he is more than that. He is master, and yet he's still willing to be humiliated before them, even at the disgust of Simon Peter. In Greek, Lord, which is Kyrios, refers to someone who has supreme authority, and yet he's willing to serve. He wants to show that no level of service is beneath him. And in some ways, it's difficult for us to grasp the gravity of this for us today. One commentator equated Jesus' service here to that of, say, imagine you're at home, there's a knock on the door, and Queen Elizabeth stands there with a mop and bucket in her hand. She's come to clean your floors. And she walks, amen, at her age as well. And she starts mopping away and says, put kettle on. Someone of her stature wouldn't do that normally. You never know. And yet Jesus' stature is infinitely greater. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And he washes his disciples' feet. He does something far more degrading than mopping your floors. Although I'm not saying your floors are in any way degrading. I'm just saying, you know what I'm getting at. One of the ways human pride manifests itself in a graded society is in refusing to take the lower role. Have you ever heard yourself saying the words, I'm not doing that? I caught myself saying it the other day, actually. I was after I prepared this, and I was like, oops. But now that Jesus, their Lord and teacher, has washed his disciples' feet, not just now, but maybe living in your street. When you serve, is your service out of duty, obligation, or responding to a guilt trip? Or is your service fueled by the genuine love you have? Is there someone that you would not want to serve? Or say to God, anybody but them. The thing I've learned over the years, if you ever say that, that's the one God goes, serve them. Is any measure of serving beneath you? Oh, that God would continue to grow our hearts for others. That we would have complete confidence in who we are in him. That our love for others would flow out through the love that we have received ourselves from him. Just as Jesus understood his origin and destination, remember what is true from God about you. Who you are. You are made in his image. You bear his likeness. If you are a follower of Christ, remember that your sinful origin has been redeemed. The slate has been wiped clean. 
your destination of eternal life has been redeemed and is secure tonight. If you're not yet a follower of Christ or feel you've fallen away, know that we all stand condemned in our sin. But Jesus is the one who has done it all for us. As Jesus served, he takes it all upon himself. All we need to simply do tonight is to come back to him, to the foot of the cross, ask forgiveness for those things we've done wrong, and receive his gift for you of eternal life tonight. So that as you go away from here tonight, remember where you stand in him and with him. Wherever you go, he's there already waiting for you. Know that you are fully loved and can be eternally secure. Whatever the world may throw at you, he is the rock on which we stand. Might even mean spending time with your neighbor, even that one you've had a conflict with for years. Remember the example of the Good Samaritan. Or doing something for someone who simply can't. Or in serving someone else, God might prompt you to just simply send a message to someone saying, how are you? How can I pray for you? Even that simple act is an act of service. There are so many ways that we can serve. And it's important to serve out of love and firmly founded in the confidence we have in and through Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We should serve the way that Jesus served, from his heart and his head with his hands. Jesus served you from his heart and his head and with his hands. He allowed his hands to be nailed to a cross. And yet he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus served us by giving his pure life in exchange for yours and for mine. And in a few moments, we'll come to communion to remember that incredible act. But as I finish tonight, we just look at towards the end of this passage where Jesus says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. How will you respond? What will you do? How will you reach out to others? How will you serve others in the days, weeks, months, years to come? May it be with the love that Jesus had. May it be with the knowledge of who you are in him. And may it be with hands that are willing to get dirty in his name. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just, in these moments, 
not just those that we find it easy to share it with, but Lord, that we will be obedient to what you may call us to, even tomorrow morning. And Lord, when there are doubts, may we know with confidence who we are in you, that we've been bought with a price, your precious blood. And Lord, as we serve others in whatever way we do it, with our words or our actions, may we know your blessing, your infilling from the Holy Spirit. Lord, as we enter into this song and and as we come towards communion, Lord, may we just come with open hands and an open heart to receive from you tonight. As we come to this communion table, we remember how you've already served us.